0: Cybert Radio, I am your host, and welcome for this Riding Carpool episode talking about Thor, Love and Thunder, the uh, fourth film in the Thor franchise within the Marvel Cinematic Universe movie franchise thing. I mean, th- th- this gets really complicated when you start parsing out the movies and the shows, and um, and just kind of the, the, the larger oeuvre of the... Uh, of, of the of the Marvel movies. Um, so it is a, a Thursday morning, the day after I saw an advanced screening. The movie comes out this weekend. So this is a early spoiler-free uh, review. So I'm gonna talk about the movie just kind of like in, in broad strokes. I didn't wanna uh, talk about it last night Fresh from watching the movie, one because I was hungry. I had I had to stop by Jack in the Box and get me a Jack Munchie Meal. Uh, I enjoyed me a, a spicy chicken sandwich and and uh, uh, really I was in the mood for the tacos. I, I just I just wanted the tacos and the halvesy fries. Jack Munchie Meal rules, by the way. I mean, uh, but you know inflation is out of control when the Jack Munchie Meal jumps from six dollars to eight dollars. But that's neither here nor there. Um, also uh since this is like you know kind of trying to capture the moment in the bottle it is uh it is thursday morning it is uh july 7th and i want to wish a very happy birthday to my lovely wife lucky and, and i i am just uh so grateful for the love and support that, that she gives me, not just in life, but also for my silly hobbies that, that, uh, uh, enable me to, to chat with you here. Um, I, I think without her encouragement, I would have, uh, I either, uh, stopped doing this a long time ago or probably wouldn't have even started to begin with because, you know, she's the one that says like, Hey man, why don't you take a class during the the summer? Um, uh. At, at, at the Green River College. Um, so anyway, I just I just wanted to wish her a happy birthday. Um, and so yeah. So um, all right. So so Thor. Um, my 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 thoughts are very mixed, and I'm I'm very I'm very mixed on this movie. Whereas say like a a Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, I I was. I was largely positive on. In fact, I, I really, really liked it when I when I saw that that uh, preview screening. And I keep telling you, and I keep telling myself that I might do a uh, full review episode. And as we keep getting further and further away, the, the likelihood of that uh, is is dwindling because now that the movie's been out for a while, and now the folks have been talking about it, and all of the memes, and all the articles, and all the think pieces. Um, I don't know, maybe I don't have as much to say about it as, as I initially thought. Um, but, yeah, I mean, maybe I'll come back to that. But with uh, with Thor, I, I feel, oh, man, I mean, like I said, I, I'm, I'm just very mixed on it. First of all, I, I guess th- this is going to be a largely positive review. I liked it. I liked it fine. Uh, but I didn't love it. It didn't blow my skirt up, it didn't blow my hair back, and I feel like it's actually a step backwards from the forward progression from Thor Ragnarok, the the previous movie. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I I guess a handful of things. Um, First of all, I don't think there's anything that's not in the trailers that's in this movie. And what I mean by that is that the movie that you see in the trailer is exactly the movie that this is. Whereas, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the trailer makes that seem like it's a very different movie. Um, like, it, it, it's... They are very clever to make it seem like it is a response and the consequences of the events of spider-man no way home but once you watch that doctor strange movie you find out immediately that it is not i i was listening to a uh, podcast recently a uh, uh, blank check i've talked about it before uh hosted by uh, uh griffin newman who uh, is uh, the voice of Orco in the masters of the universe revelation uh netflix show uh but they they do uh, really cool, incredible deep dives on uh, th- their whole gimmick is they, they do miniseries on directors and they go through the entire director's filmography. Well, they just recently capped off their Sam Raimi um, series and the culmination of that was the Doctor Strange episode and one of the, the topics that they talked about that I didn't even really uh, consider is because of COVID you know, uh, the, the Marvel schedule has been, like, shuffled all over the place. Like, you know, all the TV shows have come out out of order. Um, the movies have come out out of order. And so, part of, I think, the frustration from not just hardcore MCU fans, but also casual fans, is kind of like the sense of where we're going, what are we building towards. And I think a lot of that comes from the disjointed release And to say nothing about like reshoots and things like that. Um, apparently, Doctor Strange was originally supposed to come out uh prior to WandaVision and even prior to uh Spider-Man. So wrap your heads around that one. That that kinda that almost kinda makes no sense when uh when you think about it for too long, but apparently the the uh, post-COVID, the, the movie was significantly reworked. Okay, I'm going to stop, because I, now I realize that I've talked for several minutes in this Thor review about Doctor Strange, so I, I'm either going to do an episode or I'm not, but regardless I need to talk about Thor. Um, this uh, The the thing that I like about this movie is it, it, it takes the, the sensibilities that the director Taika Waititi brought to Thor Ragnarok and cranks it up to 11. Um, th- it's, it's bright, it's colorful, it's fun in a, in a lot of ways. The things that I liked about this movie, I liked a lot. But there, there's also a hollowness that even now the morning after seeing the movie, I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around trying to articulate. It's not cynical in the way that uh, other entries into the Marvel Cinematic Universe are. Like, you know, like we're trying to you know, just be episodic and kind of fit things into the latest chapter and do a lot of heavy lifting story-wise. Like, I, the thing I point to is Avengers Age of Ultron. That, that is less a movie as it is a storytelling conduit that it's kind of interesting, as these stories progress, how, um, uh, I, I don't want to say iconic. That's not the word I'm, uh, um, but, but there's so much that sprang from that movie that people keep going back to it and saying it's essential. Oh, essential is probably the word that I'm looking for. But it's it's because of, like, the th- the, the things that happen or the track that's laid, not necessarily because of the movie or or because of what's good about it. Um. So I feel like this movie also kind of suffers from that same perhaps disjointed release. It's kind of blown me away that this feels like the perhaps uh well not I I was gonna say it's the the first movie that I feel like is a direct follow-up to Avengers Endgame and that's not accurate because I that that second Spider-Man movie that that Spider-Man Far From Home that that directly picks up after the events of Avengers Endgame but after that it, it's a it's a whole lot of all over the place. Where you've got you know Black Widow that's that that's a prequel. You got uh, Shang Chi that, that is kind of off by itself. You got uh, uh, Doctor Strange that that kind of occupies a weird in between space. So it's like a a, a sequel to the follow up stuff to Avengers Endgame. But I think that Thor uh, Thor Love and Thunder is the the second movie or the first movie in a while to pick up threads directly from Avengers Endgame and that, you know, he's, he's hanging around with the Guardians of the Galaxy and it's trying to pick up a lot of the threads from the Thor character. And speaking on Thor, I, uh, and it kind of speaks to what, what, my ax to grind with this movie is but like Thor I think of all of the first generation Avengers characters so you got you know Iron Man Captain America Thor Hulk Black Widow Hawkeye um I think Thor is the character that has the most character development has the the broadest character arc but is also the most disjointed. Like, he uh, he shows up in like a half dozen movies before they figure out what to do with him. And I feel like Taika Waititi cracked the code in Thor Ragnarok. and that, like, you know, he can be, you know, funny and goofy. Um... And, and then in the, uh, the Russo brothers, uh, ladder Avengers movie, the, the infinity war and the end game, they propel that even further and really get into some, uh, um, uh, deep meta mental health stuff. And I like what they did with, with the Thor character, especially in end game, uh, you know with uh, you know uh, themes of depression and and how he deals with it and how how this uh, seemingly immortal being um, reconciles the the catastrophic events and the utter failure of the avengers and and, and of himself um, it's some very interesting uh, dramatic narrative that i really liked that that i really liked what they did with uh, uh with thor and that's why this movie is so frustrating because it takes almost all of that and throws it away like almost immediately i mean again it's right there in the trailer it's like you know um goes from dad bod to god bod and you know it's it's a it's a real um how Stella got her groove back and you know he's doing like you know a uh, cartoon crossfit and you know i mean again i i i never expected for chris hemsworth to run around in a in a fat suit in his own movie that's silly in fact i thought it was brave enough that he's in that fat suit for the entirety of avengers endgame i i think that I thought that was an interesting choice. I never would have thought that they, um... They they would have gone there and let the character do that. But, um... it, it It just feels like the character has gone back to being kind of a dummy. And I don't like Thor being a complete dummy. Um... It, it just—it it just feels weirdly disingenuous. Um, I like—I mean, you—you can—you can. You can there, there's a version of Thor that Chris Hemsworth has played already, where sure he's kind of a himbo, but he's not a complete dummy, you know, both uh, intellectually and emotionally. And I—I I feel like that's—that's that's the Thor that we see. In, in this uh, this particular movie um but I I, I want to talk about tone because I mean the the thing with with Thor Ragnarok is that it really is kind of two movies kind of squished together and I think you get some like tonal mismatches but the stuff that's fun is really fun and the stuff that's serious kind of kind of works also um, it's it has that balance between goofy and serious where there is it's, it's not completely earnest, but, but there is a self-awareness that I kind of respect this movie. On the other hand, I think learns some of the wrong lessons and it's just goofy. It's, it it's silly at times and, and goofy at others. And, what it does is it kind of cuts itself off at the knees when it tries to have, like, real drama and real stakes. It just... It, it doesn't... It doesn't work. Like, one of the things that they establish in that Ragnarok is that Kate Blanchett's character, Hela, is... is legit scary. And is a credible threat. And... I like Christian Bale's performance in this movie as Gore the God Butcher. Um, I, I I think he I think he's doing some cool stuff, and I think it's a cool performance. But likewise, though, I don't think it belongs in this movie. It really reminds me of uh, that first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, where you have uh, Ronan the Accuser as as your seemingly main villain who does not belong in that movie. It's like he he is literally like uh, a, a refugee from a different movie. And that's what Christian Bale's uh, villain character feels like to me here. He feels like he belongs in a different movie. Because when they try to do like, you know, serious and scary, it doesn't work. But, there, but there's some other stuff that, that Christian Bale does with the performance... That, that again, kind of that that I kind of like. It's like he, in a, in a weird way, um, kind of taps into some of that Heath Ledger Joker energy a little bit. I'm not saying he's like you know a cackling maniacal villain or whatever, but but he does he does some of the some of like the the, the kind of like quietly scary stuff that that I think is really cool. But I also don't think it belongs in this movie. Where it's just like a goofy, fun romp, and I think where um, where the frustration with the overall Marvel Cinematic Universe trajectory here in this 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 Phase Four is a whole lot of where are we going? What are we building towards? And that that mentality is a double-edged sword for me in terms of like being frustrated because, like, on one hand, I advocate for. Can't a movie just be a movie? Does it, does it have to lay track for a half dozen other movies? But by the same token, I think because we've been spoiled as an audience on the formula, on the, on the MCU formula, that, that there is somewhat of an expectation that we're going somewhere. And, you know, between, like, the, the weird cosmic stuff from Eternals... And the weird multiverse stuff from Doctor Strange and the Loki TV show—I um, I just, there, it feels very rudderless. Now, I had a discussion with a, with a, um, some friends recently, where they they, they were kind of mad, indignant about the trajectory of Phase Four. It's like, oh man, we're not really building anything. And I reminded them, I was like, well keep in mind or, or try to remember that phase one, you know so like starting with Iron Man and you know Incredible Hulk and Captain America, it wasn't it wasn't right away that they were building towards Thanos. that that kind of came a little later. In fact, they were barely building towards Avengers. It's like it, it, it's something that they landed on. Eventually, I don't know when. I mean, probably after Iron Man became a hit, but I think folks forget and take for granted that these movies weren't seeding sequels from Jump. That that was something that came later after after the MCU was was uh, was a legit hit. Um, but then when you get into your Phase Two. Phase two is all building towards stuff, and I think at the cost of individual movies. And it's interesting because, you know, I, 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 I've talked in different places about like uh, sequel legislation and not, you know, knowing which, which movie is which. Like, in. In the Iron Man series, you got you got an Iron Man, an Iron Man two, and an Iron Man three, but like those are the only movies in the MCU that that have uh, that are numbered sequels, and I think that's very deliberate, and it kind of makes sense when you think about it because these movies are not sequels of each other; they're sequels of the overall episodic. Marvel Cinematic Universe so yeah Iron Man 2 is a sequel to Iron Man but Iron Man 3 is a sequel to the Avengers and somewhere along the way somebody figured out that naming convention and that's where you get like you know um, I don't even know if we're using colon so like I mean like um, I think Thor Love and Thunder is just called Thor Love and Thunder I don't think it's Thor colon Love and Thunder uh, it's a it's a real Star Trek into Darkness situation there, um, or they you know have fun with it. And it's clever with you know Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. I, I think that, I think that's a a cool way to do um, to do that title legislation. But that's that's the that's one of the overall problems with these movies is that they're not cohesive or coherent within themselves. If you try to watch the Captain America movies, so you got yourself a First Avenger, a Winter Soldier, and a Civil War. If you try to watch them by themselves, it will make no goddamn sense. Um, again, the the only the only franchise you can really get away with that is uh, is Iron Man. And even then, if you haven't seen the Avengers, you got, you're, you're woefully unprepared for Iron Man three. Um... Uh, so, and, and I think that's kind of the same thing, sort of, with Thor Love and Thunder. I think one of the things that, that struck me as interesting is that it's not what I just got done talking about. It, it feels like, with the exception of a couple plot threads, it, uh, and again, obviously picking up from some of the, the events of Avengers Endgame, it, it does feel like a sequel to Thor Ragnarok. Now, again, take take the, take the Thor movies. You got, you got Thor the First, um, and again, Thor the Dark World, number two. That's very much an Iron Man 3 situation. If you haven't seen Avengers, it's not going to make no damn sense. Um, Thor Ragnarok, on the other hand, I think is a pretty darn terrific standalone. Like, I think the only plot thread it picks up is Thor going off into space again from that that goddamn Age of Ultron? Um, ironically enough. Um, so, oh yeah, and, and his quest for Infinity Stones. But then, I mean, that just gets like thrown away in a line. Um, but this uh, this Love and Thunder feels feels like it's a it's a sequel to that Ragnarok. I feel like I could, I could watch those kind of back to back. No, you still need those Avengers movies in there. Um, apologies for trying to legislate this, uh, uh, while I'm trying to find a parking spot at a, at work here. I'm just, I my my mind just keeps tumbling on it about like I thought one of the positives of Thor: Love and Thunder was that it was kind of self-contained, but yeah, it 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 really kind of isn't. You you need you need, uh, the, the Infinity War and the Endgame, uh, for this to work. Um, so, all right, so, so let's talk, so let's kind of talk about this, uh, um, this movie here, because I feel like I've talked about everything but the movie. Um, as I said before, the, the stuff that I liked, I liked. Um, it's bright, it's colorful, it's the, it's the exact opposite of those dour superhero movies that that I don't um, especially like so I think that's fun I think the use of music is good to okay um, and it's all there in the trailer but it it got me to thinking about how rock music really kind of is intertwined in uh, the MCU and I think it's something that they don't use well enough and I think when they use it well it, it it works but there there are other times that that it's too much so rock music is has heavy rock music um, I mean I again I got I got some metal heads they're rolling their eyes it's like you got to talk about ACDC and say it's it's heavy music it's not but um from jump from what John Favreau was doing with Iron Man the first and having acdc be so intrinsic to the sound of that first iron man movie and pushing that even further in iron man 2 where literally the soundtrack album for iron man 2 doubles as an acdc greatest hits um I, I'm a lifelong fan of ACDC, and I think the, the, the track mix is kind of weird. There's, there's some weird um, exclusions and inclusions, but you're going to have that with Ankiya Greatest Hits album anyway. But it's, it, it's, it's a fine enough compilation for, for what, what they're trying to accomplish. Um, but my point being is that like that, that, that celebration of that interconnectivity between music and the movie, has, that template has been there from the start and it kind of got dropped until James Gunn picked it up uh, for Guardians of the Galaxy where um, that became a celebration of um, obscure at best forgotten at worst catalog songs you know where uh, you know suddenly like i mean even now i i hear, I hear uh, a blue suede on the on the sh- uh, on the um, on the radio um, you know, we're, we're still, we're still doing Ooga Chakas, you know, several years later after, after Garden, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and I thought that, that, that's, uh, it's a great soundtrack and it's a terrific incorporation of music into the movie, but then, uh, this might be unpopular. I don't care for the way the music is used in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I feel like it's too much. It's too elbow nudgy to the point where lyrics of the song are literally plot points of the movie. Like, you know, the, the lyrics of the song, Brandy are, uh, integral to the plot of guardians of the galaxy Two, And I, I think it's just too much. And I think, uh, James Gunn was swinging too hard with, the song choices and how he used them. I think he was a little high on his own supply, uh, for guardians too, but then it it gets dropped again and it doesn't that, that vibe, that aesthetic, that use of music doesn't get picked up again until Thor Ragnarok when Taika Waititi uses the Led Zeppelin immigrant song and uses it very well. Uh, those, uh, those two sequences when it, when it comes up, or maybe it's three, I haven't seen the movie for a while, they legit rock. And, and it's, uh, it, it's a terrific use of a song that they paid a whole lot of money to use. I, I am sure. Um, and, and it helps establish the tone and the vibe of what the movie is. And I feel like Thor Love and Thunder takes that and pushes it even further in a good way. Um, instead of using Led Zeppelin, instead it's a celebration of Guns N' Roses. Thor, Love, and Thunder is a celebration of Guns N' Roses the way that Iron Man is a celebration of ACDC. And I appreciated that, and I like that. Um, and I think the the songs that they use, they use them pretty well. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about the trailers using the the music so extensively because like in a certain way it's kind of a spoiler like you go back to that trailer for iron man the first and there is no acdc in sight AC, uh, uh iron man 2 on the other hand completely different story but still it, it was for me i remember watching iron man 1 and and the acdc kicking and i'm like what? I remember being really blown away. And, you know, one of the ones where, like, I, I squeezed my wife's knee, um, just like, oh man, ACDC and Iron Man. I, I really like this. It really connected with me. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I think I think the the use of the music is really good here. Um, so I, I guess, I don't, I don't know, and I, I, I can't really talk about the plot too much, but basically uh, it, it's it, it picks up on some of the threads from from the previous movies and um i don't know it, it 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 is it is a very straightforward adventure like you know uh christian bale's villain gore the god butcher it has has a villain origin story that is very typical um not particularly interesting um, or at least in terms of groundbreaking, but it doesn't necessarily need to. it, it you know it, it, it's fine. it's it's some good Batman villain stuff where where you have like a tragic villain and, and I do like that. Um, and and so yeah so you know the, it feels like I don't know I I, I don't want to say it's lazy but the but the movie just feels like it, it's just kind of going through the motions to the point where, uh, I I kind of found myself a little bored. Like there um, there are some action sequences that are le- that are genuinely exciting. There there is a sequence where the um, color palette changes, and um, you know because I, I said one of the strengths of this movie is is how colorful it is. Everything is bright and colorful. And there is a sequence of the movie where it becomes desaturated. And I swear we're watching Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, it's, it's Justice League by way of Sin City. But I think it's, I think it's a sequence that is really, really cool. Um, but it's not enough for me to, to hang my hat on. It's, uh, I, I think I forgot more about this movie as soon as I left it. Um, I, I was hoping that sleeping on it would, would kind of like have some of that stuff congeal and, and solidify in my brain. And it just really hasn't. So really when I think about Thor 11 Thunder, I just kind of think about what I've already seen in the trailers because my God, those, those trailers give you everything that's, that's good in the movie. All of the punchlines, all of the jokes there, there's, there's nothing left by the time you actually, watch the movie. That's not to say that the movie is bad. I think folks that like this stuff will like it quite a bit. So who is this for? Well, it's, you know, I mean, it's for you. I mean, it's, it's, um, I don't dislike this movie. I like it fine. I'm not going to be in a rush to, to, to go watch it again. Um, but, but that's not saying a lot for my personal individual experience because I can't remember the last time I watched a Marvel movie more than once. Um so I mean I mean that that it isn't necessarily um a criticism. So I think the folks that are critical of the Marvel movies and like the the uh increasingly stale formula, I think those folks are kind of proven right with this movie. I think the um Marvel fans, the diehards or uh, I, I, I don't know, I guess the, the Snyder bros of the, the MCU uh, that were disappointed with the lack of uh, build-up to other stuff in Doctor Strange uh, will also be disappointed with this as well. Um, the movie doesn't necessarily make a great case for itself as an as a important chapter In the MCU, and therein lies the rub of my criticism because I'm critical of these movies when they feel like they're just a middle chapter of a larger saga. Um, but then I'm also critical when a movie just kind of tries to stand on its own while picking up on threads from other movies. So I don't know what way I want to have it. I, uh, and, and that's and that's why this discussion might come across as a little disjointed and maybe a little frustrating because I don't know what to make of it. Um, so I, I guess to round out, let me talk about uh, some of the performances. I've talked about uh, Chris Hemsworth uh, extensively. Um, it, again, it's it's a real step backwards for me. Um, I think he's... Uh, got a natural charisma to him that I think is kind of missing here because they're 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 really trying to recontextualize him as a Dumbo um to the movie's detriment um yeah it's and and I think I think it does a disservice to what they were doing with the character in the earlier movies when uh, they, they they were dealing with um, uh, depression and anxiety, and and really Thor being kind of a vessel for us to talk about mental health in these movies, and and they they, they just kind of done an about face on that, and it, it's it, it's really disappointing, um, but but he's fun. I mean, he he's charming. So I mean, it, it is both ways, and. Um, if, if, if you have a, you know, significant other that, that you're taken to this movie, you, you get treated to a, a, uh, a wonderful extended shot of Chris Hemsworth bear buns. You, you get, you get some juicy bear buns in, uh, in, uh, in, in this movie, which, um, you know, I, I, I ain't gonna complain about that. Um, but the, the, the character I haven't talked about at all so far is uh, Natalie Portman returning as Dr. Jane Foster in, in this movie, now The Mighty Thor, uh, from uh, from the comics. And I totally forgot to make this confession earlier uh, in the discussion, but we are really getting to a point in the MCU movies where it's moving beyond material that I have read from the comic books. Like, um, I, I thought it was pretty cool when they did the Winter Soldier because I was very much into that Captain America run from, from Ed Brubaker and Steve Epting. Um, love that series. And I, I loved how they incorporated elements of that, um, into the movie. And I, I started feeling this way, like right around Black Panther, where it's like, oh man, we're getting into stuff I haven't read because I haven't read, mainstream Marvel comics for uh, five years, maybe longer. Um, I, I, think it was around civil war two when, when I decided to punch out. And I think I still was reading like a couple individual titles at the time, but I think like the, the overall mainstream Marvel universe, I, you know, I jump ship on. So like eventually when they get to secret invasion, I'll be there for that because I, I, you know, I, I was, I was here for that, but, um, Anyway yeah like so so my um, knowledge of the books is is dwindling and they're gonna get to a point where they're gonna get into stuff that I've never experienced and have never read. I've never read of uh, the Ms. Marvel comics, but I've started watching that series on the Disney plus really good. I you know it's it's cute, it's fun. A friend of mine called it Nick Kids for for Marvel and I say, sure, that's fine. I like it. it's very sweet. It's, uh, and, and it's a lot of fun. Anyway, go check out Ms. Marvel on the Disney Plus. Um, but I, I, <sighs> I have never been a huge fan of Thor in the comics. I've never followed his solo title ever. I mean, even like the iconic Walt Simonson stuff. Um, I, I think the only run of Thor I picked up from the comics was the, uh, uh, Michael Avon Oming, uh, run the, the, which tied into like Avengers disassembled. Like it was the, the ironically enough, the Ragnarok storyline where, um, they kind of picked up some of that and threw it into the Ragnarok movie. But that was just because like, I was a huge fan of Brian Michael Bendis at the time who was, who was doing Avengers disassembled. Um, and, and I was a huge fan of their, their book, uh, powers. Um, so anyway, I, uh, um, that's the only reason why I picked up those Thor comics. So I didn't pick up any of the J. Michael Straczynski stuff, which kind of also went into Thor Ragnarok. And I, I haven't read a stitch of the Jason Aaron stuff, uh, with, uh, Esad Ribbick, um, I So I, I haven't read any of that stuff with, with Gore the God Butcher, and I certainly haven't read any of the stuff dealing with uh, Jane Foster as the mighty Thor. So this is all new territory for me, and I can't sharpshoot how close any of it is to the comics because I haven't read any of it. I do think it's, a, it's an interesting coup to bring Natalie Portman back into the MCU. Um, I, I would imagine that they paid her a princely sum, um, probably, uh, um, uh, but I don't know. I, 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 I don't know if I have time to, to kind of get into the, the Natalie Portman stuff because like, um, unfortunately I still dip in on channels that I shouldn't be, uh, like, um. Like uh, th- this, uh, see, I-, I don't even want to drop names because, like, I I don't want you to check out their stuff. I kind of I kind of check out kind of right wing chud uh, creators, so you don't have to. I kind of take that bullet for you. But like, th- there's there's this one guy who's always bitching about the quote unquote MCU, uh, very misogynistic stuff, and is always railing against and is critical anything that has to do with uh um promoting powerful women in these uh in these shows and movies it's exhausting it's ugly but i i, I think i check it out just to just to kind of you know get that get that other perspective but um some of that stuff kind of worms into my subconscious when i'm watching this because i feel like Natalie Portman is brought in as the mighty thor to show that she's a better Thor than Thor is, and that that kind of makes me crinkle my nose a little bit. Um, there, there's way more nuance to it than that. But just that one sentence there, um, like I said, kind of gives me pause. She's fine um, in in her performance. Uh, there, there is a specific reason why she uh, uh, the hammer calls to her, and she's um, you know, imbued with the power of Thor, uh, that I won't spoil, but apparently it is a thing from the comics. Um, which I, I, again, I, I think is very interesting, but the, another, another problem that comes up is one of continuity and it, it, uh, uh it, it's in the trailer. And so there, there's a thing where like Thor and mighty Thor, Jane Foster are talking and they were talking about, like, how long they've been broken up. And um, he says, like, it's been, like, eight years. So what I don't know is when this movie takes place. I don't know how this accounts for uh, the events of Avengers uh, Infinity War. Like, was was she, uh, was she blipped? Was she not? I don't know. It doesn't say one way or the other. I'm assuming not, but it doesn't say. So, um, yeah... Time just goes very odd in the, in uh in this movie and and how it's placed and where it fits in um, sequentially. Um, ultimately, this is a movie about well, love and thunder. It's there in the in the title and their relationship. I think is supposed to be the engine that makes it go. But um, I, I'm beginning to think that this is a Natalie Portman problem um, because like you know. One of the things I said about uh, Star Wars: Attack of the Clones is the oh man, the you you wouldn't believe the uh, the romance story in there. The romance between uh, Padamame Panda Bear, and uh, uh, you know uh, Padme and and Anakin Skywalker. You wouldn't believe it. The romance is unbelievable, as in you don't believe it. <laughs> uh, and, and granted, it's just because they're both planks of wood. They, they're very two wooden performances. And that's kind of the same thing here. I don't buy their romance, um, and I, I think I think that's kind of a problem uh, with the movie. Um, I I think she's capable enough in the action scenes. I'm not even going to get into the thing with, with her buff arms because again, like the these uh, um, right wing chud uh, creators have been like trying to debunk that. Like apparently there there's. Um, some behind-the-scenes footage where, like, her muscles were supposedly, like, CGI-enhanced. I don't care. You know, it's like, you know, if, if she got super buff, fine. If she didn't, fine. I don't care. It's, a, it, it's, it's not the big deal that, that these assholes are making it out to be. Whatever. Um, uh, Tessa Thompson is just kind of snoozing through this movie as Valkyrie. She was, she was a stand act character in Thor Ragnarok. Uh, the movie doesn't know what to do with her here. She's fine. I mean, I, I, I like that character, and I like her performance, but she doesn't have enough... I mean, there, 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 there's a sequence of the movie where she's literally shown being bored, and to me, that that is exactly what what Valkyrie's uh, contribution to the movie is. Um, Taika Waititi returns as the voice of the, the computer-generated rock monster Korg, and I have had enough. I've had enough. I, I think I think my appetite for the quirky Taika Waititi um, and even kind of James Gunn uh, aesthetic where we're just being goofy and silly and zany, I, I think I've kind of, um, I've had my fill. I think I'm kind of tired of it because one of the the... the uh, criticisms of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that it, it is so quippy, it is so jokey, nothing serious. And there, there, there's a sequence early on where, um, a lot of this is narrated by Korg. Some of it is funny because it, it it's in, in his quirky Kiwi, uh, affectation and, uh, but other times it it's just, I, I think, I think, um, what I find frustrating or irritating, irritating is the nonchalance that, you know, kind of like a, a postmodern, um, aloofness towards past events, because like there, there's a montage of, um, of, this is a mild spoiler, but like how, how it, how it talks about the, events leading up to this movie, including the stuff in Avengers Endgame and including stuff in the other um, in the other movies, it's very glib in the way that it that it treats uh, uh, characters that, that that aren't part of the franchise anymore and I just I don't know that, that, that kinda that hit me the wrong way made me crinkle up my nose. It's but but again it's kind of that, that that postmodern dismissive humor. Where, you know, uh, nothing is real, nothing is important, and nothing matters. You know, very, very nihilistic in a weird kind of way. Almost a, a, a dark humor type of thing, a black humor type of thing, but also not really. It's... I can't explain it. I, I call it the Rick and Morty effect, but I don't... I don't... I don't watch that show, so I don't... I don't really uh, know if that's accurate or not. Um, but, yeah, it's just... It, it, it's glib, I, I think, to, to use a word on that. But, like... Um, he he's in the movie for too much. And it's a uh, it feels exhausting. It feels to me like when Quentin Tarantino inserts himself in his own movies. Uh most offensively, of course, is like the entire fourth act of Django Unchained where it's unwelcomed, unnecessary, and uh and irritating. And that, that's that's kind of how I feel about the Korg performance. Um I, I, I talked about Christian Bale already. I, th- I think he's very good. I, I think he's very menacing. and um, But he doesn't belong in this movie. He needs to go hang out with Lee Pace, uh, Ronan the Accuser, and they need to go find a movie that they actually belong in because he doesn't belong here. The tone doesn't fit. Um, Russell Crowe is in this movie as Zeus, and it's um, interesting. It's he He makes a performance choice that I was very annoyed with at first. But then as the performance goes on, there is some flashes of Russell Crowe. You get, get a little bit of gladiator Russell Crowe. You get a little bit of LA confidential There, there. There's a simmering intensity that, that you eventually get to see. And I was like, Oh, okay. Um, It's, it, but, but the performance is very silly for, for the most part and it's played for laughs and I, um, I, I largely didn't like it, (laughs) but, um, and I'm trying to remember who else is in this movie. Um, maybe nobody else is in this movie. I don't know. Um, uh, characters from, uh, other parts of the Thor franchise, uh, do make appearances, but to... Uh, uh, discuss what those appearances are would uh, uh, would be spoilers, so I'm going to um, avoid that. Um, I, I guess I don't know on on, on the whole, and I've reached the I'm repeating myself phase of the review, but it's it's fine. It's not bad, but it's not particularly good. It, it doesn't it doesn't stick with me, um, but that's kind of okay in a way that. Again, these Marvel movies are so episodic. Like, for example, you know, I, I, I watch a lot of uh, garbage network programming. I watch a lot of NCIS. I watch the FBI's. You know, I, I watch all that CBS stuff. And those episodes just wash over me. And I feel like that's kind of the same thing with these Marvel movies. You know, it's like, it's, it's a cool episode, but I'm not going to go back to any of this stuff last thing, and this is probably my most provocative hot take, and only like three people are going to get this, but this uh, this movie is Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, the, the William Shatner directed one, um, and I can't tell you exactly why, um, but if you know that movie, you can already start kind of doing the calculus of what I'm talking about, but then when you watch it, and then you watch the whole movie, you're going to be like, "Holy smokes, Mike was right. That this this is Star Trek V." And it, because it is in a in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, uh, too many ways that that's that's really kind of um, uh, uncomfortable. I mean, I mean, what does God need with a starship? Um, and that's going to wrap it up for for this episode. Thanks for hanging out with me. And if you want to check out any of my other shows, you can uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever the heck else you listen to the podcast, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Oh, Newsflash! I have updated the YouTube channel recently to where now it looks a little more polished and a little more finished. I actually put like a banner up there, you know, uh, courtesy of my dude, Andy, uh, doing those, uh, transformers, the movie related, uh, themed logos for me. Um, so it looks a little more clean. I've created some playlists for the live streams and things like that. Anyway, go, um, go check out the YouTube channel um and uh, you can follow me on all those social medias i am at mike Cybert radio i'm on twitter facebook and instagram and i'm pretty uh, uh active on all of those you can send me an email mike Cybert radio at gmail.com and you can become a mike cybertronian and subscribe to the not subscribe you can join the msrp friends and fans facebook group um and where you know you can converse with uh with other fans and friends of um the show there um like share rate and review the show wherever you find it and um you know uh let me know what you'd like and what you'd like to hear more of in the future uh for mike cyber radio my name is mike and until next time tell all or one make good choices